Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Woo podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Happy Monday, everyone. If you're listening to this on a Monday, it is okay, whatever day you're listening to it. And I hope that you, if you just found this podcast, that you go back and binge some of the old episodes because there are over 120 of them and they are all so good. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest in this podcast episode. This woman Her name is Joy Stone, and I met her in 2022, and we have been over the past few months in a mastermind together, and she is just one of the most beautiful souls that I've met in the past few years in doing this business, and I'm just really excited. She's a best-selling author. Her book is called, If I'm So Spiritual, Then Why Am I Still So Anxious?, highly recommend. Definitely listen to this episode and you'll quickly realize that you love her vibe and that her book is worth diving into. But Joy is like such a special human being. And you'll see when you're listening to this episode, but she's so like, she's just has this essence to her and her spirit is so pure. She has a lot of stuff she's been through in life. You can hear that in this episode and in many of her episodes on her new podcast, but there's still this just like beautiful heart and tender spirit. And she's just amazing. I'm so grateful to have her in my life. And I'm so grateful that I joined the mastermind in which I met her. If you have never been part of a mastermind, I highly recommend looking into one. You need to find one that feels really good for your vibe, your business, your goals, all of that kind of stuff. I will tell you, um, New Paradigm Mastermind, my mastermind is currently closed, but we are getting ready to launch for the spring. We will be opening doors again soon. So if you have not applied, definitely do so. There will be a link in these show notes and you can just quickly apply. It takes about three minutes or so. And there's no commitment in applying, but at least you can get into the application list and on the wait list for once the doors open here soon. And if you want to have like a feeling of our current vibe in our mastermind, it's very much a blend of feminine and masculine energetics in building your business. We also very much talk about all life aspects. You do not just have to bring business questions to the table. We do talk business strategy, exposure plans, pricing, offer suites, all that kind of stuff. But we also apply every aspect of human design to every bit of your business, as well as personal stuff. I think one of the last hot seats we had in our mastermind was just 90 minutes straight of talking about conscious parenting. So you get to bring anything to the table that you want. It's an amazing group of women in there right now. DM me if you have any questions at all, but get your application in ASAP because 
doors will be opening soon and we already have a wait list. So I hope that you guys enjoy this awesome episode with my friend, Joy Stone. She brings a lot of joy to my life and I know will for you too. And enjoy the episode. Oh, you guys, I'm so excited. Okay. This gal that is coming on the podcast today, Miss Joy Stone, is literally one of my new favorite humans. I only met her like a month ago, a little over a month ago. Um, she is a two for sacral manifesting generator, more manifester energy. She is a podcast host, so that is going to be freaking amazing. She is a yoga psychology coach, and she's the best-selling author of the book, If I'm So Spiritual, Why Am I Still So Anxious? Which I wish I would have had this book 15 years ago. And the host of the Joy Stone podcast, Joy Stone, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Me too. And Joy is recording on this day that they're, they're having tornado warnings in Middle Tennessee. So sending you safe vibes and that the storm goes around you as we Thank record. You. Yeah. So Joy is a member of the mastermind I am part of, Allie Reeves Muse Mastermind, and she's such a soul sister. I do, I think we're the two most woo-woo people in there, I think. I mean, Allie's pretty woo-woo, but me and you are always like bringing the spiritual side to the conversation. Yes, I, I think so. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm definitely here for it. Okay, let's just dive in so that everybody can get to know you better. First of all, about your book, I know you're big on the topic of anxiety, obviously with a book mm -hmm. like that, which I will link, I will link every way that you can get a hold of joy as well as her book in the show notes. Anxiety is a big topic for me. I grew up a very anxious child. Um, I, and I don't know if I've talked to you about this really. So this is fun. You're getting, to yeah, we haven't really talked about this. This is, yeah. this is good. Yeah. I grew up a very anxious child. I had OCD, not like ridiculous, but I would go and turn the lights on and off a certain amount and like have to, if I touch something with my right hand, I had to touch it with my left hand. It was only for a few years. First day of kindergarten. I remember this. I woke up at 3 a.m. and wanted to put my clothes on and get all my stuff ready to go. And I wanted to be early. I just was very aware of time and time pressure and like needing things to be perfect and exact and da da da. I think I had so much energy. I'm a generator, like a pure generator. I had so much energy and not enough outlets for that energy. School didn't really challenge me very much. And it wasn't until I joined band in sixth grade that my OCD went away. It like magically cured it because I was able to like concentrate all my energy into one area. So for those seven years, I was able to do that. And I think I healed that. And then after that, I wasn't really anxious anymore until I was about 22. I had just graduated, graduated college. I had just started working in the music industry in Austin and I got a Blackberry and I attached my, my work email to my Blackberry and I started having anxiety. We didn't even have social media then, you know, um, but it was like that constant being attached to something that's dinging you and blinking you and, and mm -hmm. blinking at you and like needing your attention. Uh, my part of me felt important because like, <laughs> you know, people needed me and I could get back to them on a Saturday morning or whatever. But then I, I mean, I remember, I distinctly remember being in my first apartment by myself, talking to my mom on the phone, doing a load of laundry, being like, 
laundry is making me anxious. And she's like, Allison, laundry's not like, what's going on? And looking, and I didn't realize it. looking back now, it was the moment that I got a smartphone. I mean, Blackberry is not even a smartphone, but a smartphone. And I've dealt with it ever since, honestly. And you and I talk about this too, like being on social media and stuff. I'm such a sponge for other people's energies that being on social media is really hard on my nervous system sometimes. And I have to have really, really good boundaries around it. Um, things have gotten a lot better in the past year now that I've allowed myself to have space to ground before and after I'm recording podcasts or being on Instagram or doing, you know, doing things with other people, but it's been a journey. So anyways, mm-hmm. that's my little, little spiel, my journey with anxiety. When did you first realize that you were an, a more anxious person maybe than, than some other people? Thank you for sharing yours, that story. Cause I hadn't heard that. And that's, that's so interesting. And I do remember the Blackberry, by the way, I remember getting my first Blackberry and I felt very important, mm-hmm. but it's interesting how that you, you understand that triggered your anxiety in some way again, and, and flared it back up for me, anxiety just feels like it's been with me my entire life. Even though I fully believe I was born free of anxiety, that's part of my spiritual belief mm-hmm. system, born free, whole at peace. But my as long as I can remember, I have been an anxious person. And I grew up in a family with tremendous dis-ease, lots of alcoholism, drug addiction, instability, abuse. And so my survival instinct was just like on overdrive since as far back as I can remember. So my anxiety though manifested more in the way of me looking outside of myself for a sense of myself. Like I was a chameleon. So I didn't really know how to show up in the world as myself because I was always seeking validation from other people, approval from other people. And that's what kind of triggers me on the anxiety or on the social media that we've talked about. So my anxiety is more like it scares me to show up there and be myself Mm. to fully be seen, you know, because the type of anxiety I have is where I was just afraid to be who I am and not be judged. And so the social media really, really, really activates that for me. Mm-hmm. And I have to work through that. Whereas for you, you're talking about like you you absorb other people's energy. Yeah. So for me, it's a little more around the just feeling afraid to be seen. And I've had to walk through that. But anxiety itself has been with me for as long as I can remember. It's still something that comes that's in my life. And I've just had to shift my relationship with it to really move through it, move forward. Yeah. And I know I didn't even have this written down in one of my like bullet points to chat with you on, but when COVID hit 2020, I had so much anxiety and it wasn't necessarily because of the actual virus. Like I wasn't worried about Mm -hmm. getting sick or anything. It was the, everything's so different. I had a six month old that I had a lot of postpartum anxiety, which I think was a lot of chemical and hormonal stuff too. Mm-hmm. And then it just bled into um, COVID because I lost my job in the music industry. Like the music industry shut down in Texas, yeah. at least in the way that I I worked in it. And, you know, that was really scary because that was a 15 year career. And I was like, is this going to be forever? I don't, like, am I going to get this back? Like, is this going to start right. again? Like, whatever. I just had a kid. I need financial stability, <laughs> yeah. like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So my anxiety hit a lot it came on strong then postpartum. And then once I had eased my postpartum, it was like COVID. And I'm like, dear God, like what, what's going on? And honestly, 
starting in March or April, 2020, I started drinking a lot more regularly. Mm -hmm. I've always drank, I drank a lot in my twenties, but then I calmed down a little bit, especially in my thirties and settling down and all that. Um, but it came back, which I know it did for a lot of people because we were bored. We didn't have anything to do. It was a, what was it called? They kept all the liquor stores open. What was that called at that time? Like a, where they kept a, all the liquor stores open a, a necessity and what was oh, that? right. It was a, um, no, Whatever. I know what you're talking about. Yes. It was a, we'll think of it in a minute, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I want like a necessary yeah. business, like right, they but kept it, a few things open. And you know, what's crazy is I found out from one of my friends who's an epidemiologist at Baylor here in Dallas, like she's a head epidemiologist. And I, the other day we were asking her, we we're like, why was that? Uh, Lord have mercy. We're not going to think of the word. I know because now I can't stop <laughs> trying to figure out what it is. Why everybody's listening to this yelling at us and their speakers. I know. <laughs> They're like, y'all too. Anyways, I was like, why did liquor stores stay open? She was like, oh, we couldn't have any more people in the hospital. I was like, what? Like drinking causes more accidents. She goes, oh, so much of our nation are alcoholics that if they didn't have their liquor, they would be in the ERs filling oh, up with withdrawals. Wow. Okay. That's why they stayed open. Isn't that That's crazy? so interesting. That's yeah. I had but, not heard that. But so many people became alcoholics in 2020, mm -hmm. um, not because of meaning to, or they already had a drinking problem or anyways, it's just alcohol is such an addictive substance. It's made to be like addictive. Yeah. <laughs> for, and, and yeah, exactly. And each of our bodies are so, are, are so different and, mm -hmm. you know, have a different sensitivity to it. And that's what I discovered through my alcohol journey. Yeah. So yeah. I started drinking a lot more in 2020. And I do think since have like my hormones had fluctuated having a baby and I was more sensitive to it. And I got to the end of 2020 and I was like, this isn't okay. Like I cannot like even just like two glasses of wine each night. That's a, I'm not giving my liver a break at all, you know? Right. Yeah. And you feel tired the next day and you're yeah. just not, yeah, you're not your best self or, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't I'm, feel that. Yeah. I'm not. Um, so I took a whole year off November, 2020 to December or January, December, 2021. I think maybe I had like a drink in December mm -hmm. and then 2022 was like drinking way less, which was great. Um, but the weird thing is I think I like got even more sensitive to it because of that. But I re after taking a year off, I was like, Oh, alcohol worsens my anxiety and worsens my depression, you know? Mm, so yeah. that's something I have to be really careful about too, is because for me, it's very much a chemical, uh, imbalance situation more mm -hmm. so than maybe like a trauma in, in yeah. like an internal trauma thing. So yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. I know you're very big on helping yourself and others realize they don't have to hundred percent heal their anxiety, but instead learn to live a beautiful life while integrating that anxiety. Yeah. Um, I truly feel like anxiety and many of many of the other emotions that we have can be great gifts. They can be uh -huh. great teachers and great experiments to like practice processing those things. Um, I know you're the same. So tell me more about, about what that looks like for you and how you help people with that. Yeah, that's really at the heart of like, that's, that's my whole life and my whole work right there is what you said. So I want to, and part of that is when you were speaking of your alcohol journey. So I grew up in a, in a home with alcoholics, right? 
and hardcore and it disrupted my childhood greatly. And from the, and I remember thinking I'm never going to drink and I'm certainly never going to drink like that. Mm -hmm. And from 18 to 24, I drank so much. I hit a bottom with it. And it was the way that I coped and tried to manage my anxiety. And then I didn't drink for 25 years. What? 25 years. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. So that's a long time. And so in that 25 years, I did a ton of inner work, a ton of healing. That that began my spiritual journey. So when I hit my bottom, you know, it wasn't my anxiety that brought me to my knees, but there's a saying in yoga psychology, which is that it's not the problem. It's the problem we have with the problem that brings us to our knees. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if I could have just accepted the anxiety in terms of what I believe about it now, which I'll get into, and then let it be the, the messenger in my life and the opportunity versus this big problem that I was trying, that I had no healthy tools to cope with. So I grabbed the alcohol and it would it would allow me to be in the world and be comfortable in my skin and look people in the eye. And earlier when I said, I was, you know, how I get uncomfortable being on social media because I fall back sometimes into that part of me that needs to perform or seek approval. So the alcohol is what brought me down. And then that alcohol journey is what set me on my spiritual path. Mm -hmm. So I started to, I started to find mentors and I asked for help and I started to understand that my relationship with alcohol was really about a spiritual malady for me. Okay. I just speak for myself, but a spiritual malady and because I was so disconnected from myself from a very young age and we're always seeking to realign, to, to connect. And so sometimes we just have healthy ways to do it and unhealthy ways to do it, but they're all part of our journey. So fast forward, I had done tons of work with a spiritual mentor. And then I was into 12 step program as well and learning there. And then I found yoga Mm -hmm. and yoga is truly what woke me up to a whole new way of living. And the things I would hear in yoga are things like, there's more right about you than anything wrong. You're born perfect, whole, and complete. And that we're not seeking to find anything that's missing. We're just really trying to release and remove what's in the way of experiencing that wholeness. And so the reason I share that is because I had been on this journey. Now, my book is titled, If I'm So Spiritual, If I Have All These Tools, If I've Done All This Work, If I Have All This Information and Knowledge, why am I still so anxious? Which could mean for me was, why do I care what people think so much? Why can't I have a conversation and not replay it in my head and feel like I said something wrong? Why am I up at night still second guessing my life and my worth? So I was like, why? What is that? And so in 2012, I hit this bottom. Now another big bottom in my life. The first one was with alcohol. The second one really was with anxiety. And what happened for me is I had these downloads, I call them, like these real spiritual epiphanies or awakenings. I was in my car and I was just a normal day heading to the grocery store. And I was crying in my car because I was like, had left. My husband was at home. My dad was visiting and I was just full of anxiety and just mad that I was feeling this way and mad at myself and and frustrated. And so I, I, all of a sudden, as I was crying, I was like, I can't even go in the store. I have to collect myself. Mm-hmm. I realized in that moment, three things. And I write about them in um, chapter five of my book because they were the big turning point. One is that I realized by my, through my own experience now is that anxiety is not failure. It is feedback. Mm-hmm. And this was a huge, because I had spent my life 
trying to manage the anxiety, trying to be less anxious. Being less anxious is different than trying to feel more aligned, more confident, more free, more joyful, more peaceful. So for me, there was very little energy put on those things versus trying to just manage the the problem. Mm -hmm. And so when I would get anxious, I would be, I would get mad at myself or I'd think I'll throw another tool at it. I'll do another deep breath. I'll say another mantra. And I believe in all those things, but they don't work for me when I come from a place of brokenness or something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I start from a place of wholeness and I realize that anxiety is feedback and it's showing me, it's showing me joy where I am in relationship to my deepest self, to my core self. And so when I'm highly anxious or when I start to notice like now the little weed of anxiety sprouting, I now know that my attention or my belief or my focus has gone in a direction that is moving me away from my relationship to self. It's not doesn't mean anything's wrong with it. So it's kind of like a navigation system feedback. So that's one. Two was that I realized that anxiety is not the problem. It's just a pattern. It's not the person. It's not me. It's just a pattern. And we know that we can change patterns. Mm-hmm. We know that we can rewrite samskaras, as yoga calls it, or neural pathways. So it gave me like this hope of healing, which simply means to be made whole. Doesn't mean I'm going to cure it. It's still going to come back, but I can still be whole and have anxiety. Whereas before I was thinking, I've got to figure this out before I can be whole. Third is I realized that anxiety is the, is the symptom, not the diagnosis. I had been treating it like the diagnosis, but it's the symptom. The diagnosis is that disconnection from myself. And so I started to put these pieces of the puzzle together in a different way. And my life became about my relationship to my inner self versus my relationship to anxiety, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And anxiety was was the gift. It was the messenger. And, and so I was able to move forward in my life in a new way. And that began a new journey in 2012. I resonate with this so much. And it's a little bit different the way I'm going to describe how I have dealt with it before, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like for me feeling the anxiety, it would then externalize for me into control. I tried to control the outside situations or other people or timelines or whatever that were going on instead of trying to increase my ability to just be in that uncomfortable feeling. Is that yeah. a similar thing? I mean, it's a little bit different, but that's like my take on anxiety. No, it really is similar. It's like anxiety. To me, anxiety is another word for like, or another way of saying I need massive control, right? Like, and and we know that we can't control certain aspects of life, but we live as if we can. I live as if I'm under the illusion that I can, and then it becomes increasingly more frustrating. So in yoga, there's something in yoga psychology, we learn that and in other modalities too, but there's two realities. There's the reality that's never changing, which is our ground of being, which is our essence, right? That eternal part of us, that all knowing part of us inside soul, spirit, light, seer. And then there's part of the reality that's always changing. And what happens is, is that we confuse these two parts. So we, when you're talking about control, we're trying to control the uncontrollable. We can't control the seasons changing. We can't control people's reactions. We can't control the flux and flow that is life. And so when something that we don't want to change changes, we can feel unsteady. Or when something that we want to change won't seem to change, we feel unsteady. So we're seeking our security in something, A, that's always changing 
and B, that is ultimately beyond our control. So yeah, we're taught though, to try to control our circumstances. We're taught from a young age that if I can just have the right circumstances in place, I'll be happy. But we know that's not true because circumstances are always changing and we adapt. So it is similar to what you're saying. And I was very much the same way, always trying to control. But here's the shift that I'm making is that I could sum it up in this sentence. The things that will make us less anxious are not the same things that will set us free. They are not always the same things I should say. So three deep breaths can make me less anxious, but it may not set me free if I think those three deep breaths are just fixing a problem that I have versus calming my mind enough so that I can remember who I am. Do you know what I mean? So there has to be the next piece of it. For me, it was like, okay, the three deep breaths, let me calm down. Okay, I'm good. But then it's like the three deep breaths in and of themselves are not the solution. They put us into a place of balance and harmony or harmony where we can then make the new decision or take the next step of deepening that understanding of who we are. Because we got to know that to move through anxiety because it's not going to end. I could listen to you for hours talking about <laughs> yoga psychology. And I don't, I mean, I've done yoga for years, but obviously in most yoga classes, they don't really go over this kind of stuff. So this is totally, yeah. it's not just about exercise. It's a whole mindset and way of living and, and deconstructing the way we yes. see things and everything very similar to human design, like a deconditioning yes. process. I wanted to share with you guys, if you, if you resonate with joy, and you want to work with her, which we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Her human design chart is just honestly spot on with the work that she's doing. And I want to read a little bit of one of her incarnation cross gates. This is from the Gene Keys language, but I just want you to see, see this. It says, you may not be aware of what an important role you play within the collective body of humanity. You are one of those whose life directly exerts a magnetic force right into the heart of humanity. It is though you have access to the steering wheel when most do not. Everything you say and do affects the direction taken by humanity. The clearer and more selfless your activity is, which Joy is a very selfless person in the ways that it's good, the more you affect the world around you. Your life's work always has a mystical dimension to it, no matter how mundane it may see. In every sphere of your life, you have the power to create a subtle global influence that is out of proportion to the actual activity itself, which is so cool. I think this is going to be your podcast. <laughs> Depending on your frequency, you're either blessed or cursed in this respect, which with you, it's blessed. Um, this is a great responsibility, and there's, and there's many other people with this same archetype, but you doing this work, I think it's just freaking spot on. Speaking of human design, when... Did you find out about human design and that you were a Manny Jen, slightly more manifester? Did you, and did you resonate with that? I did resonate with it. I'm still learning so much about it. And that's, I love learning from you. I mean, you are an incredible human design teacher. And I mean that like Thanks. bottom of my heart, I resonate with the way you share about it in such a true way where we can really apply it in our lives. Um, so yeah. And I, I mean it, the first time that I heard human design though, heard about human design was when I was writing my book, I was in a book, um, mastermind, a book writing mastermind. And there was a, a woman in there who was writing a book about human design. And I remember her 
talking about it. And honestly, I was like, what is that? I just was like, I was curious about it, but not, I was busy writing my book and other things. And I didn't really dive into it. And then when I was in, I joined Allie's mastermind last year and you were either on her podcast or did you come in as a guest speaker? I was a guest speaker, but in December, 2021 in her mastermind. So I don't know that you were in there then, but then I was on her podcast or maybe you watched the recording. That's what it was. I watched the recording and I was like, you were like in your living room. I remember you and you were just so grounded. Your energy was so earthy to me. Like she is grounded and she's just talking about this, like in a way that I can take it in. And so that's when I got interested in it. So I did watch the replay. And then I listened to your podcast with Allie. And then just being in that world, you were around there. I was was stalking you on social media and watching you and listening to your podcast. And then way back when I had taken the test or the, yeah, or put my Mm -hmm. information in and found out I was a manifesting generator, but I didn't know what to do with it really Mm -hmm. until I began to work with you a little bit and had my reading with you. And now I'm incorporating a bit more. Yes. And Joy has, she's a two, four and lots of activity in the throat chakra. So that just, I'm going to move on to other things, but I just wanted to touch on this really quick, especially for other two, fours and people who Mm -hmm. maybe MGs that have a lot of throat activity. Joy just started her podcast this year and has a mastermind. And I was just reminding her before we started recording that these two combined are going to be so amazing because it's a, it's combining that throat chakra energy for the podcast speaking. You can still show up on social media and stuff, but I just really feel like your true nature comes out speaking and people are going to love that. And it's just going to be a huge success, the Joy Stone yeah. podcast. And then that two, four, I know you honor your two a lot, which is that hermit and alone time and, and everything. And you're a mom also. So that's yes. like, a, it's hard to have that two time, but it's very important for us that, that have twos in our profile. And then that four is all about leading a tribe. So you having your mastermind group is just a huge, huge part of that to increase that potency. So I'm I'm excited for that. Um, a couple other quick questions for you. How can people utilize, I know you touched on a few of these things already, but if you have any other little tips, how can people utilize yoga psychology to help get a hold of their anxiety or any trauma that's held in the body or mind? Yoga psychology is obviously different than the poses, but here's the thing is within yoga psychology, in the Yoga Sutra, which is that text of yoga, is where you find the eight limbs. And if you're familiar with the eight limbs of yoga, that is where you find within there the asana, which is the postures. Mm -hmm. So when you go to your yoga classes or you're working with um, a somatic healer and you're, you're working on removing or releasing or processing that trauma in your body because your body carries so much memory, right? Your body, and you want your body to get into that relaxation response into that parasympathetic so that you can release and recreate. You aren't going to be able to recreate or rewrite these patterns in a state of stress. And that's so important to understand because that stress is subtle. Like for me, for years, I was trying to rewrite those stories, quote unquote, but from a place of panic almost like, why am I still so anxious? What's going on? So the yoga postures are wonderful for helping us do that somatic work. So as the breathing, right? Yoga psychology comes in and this is more about the mind. Yoga psychology is about how do we take a mind that is anxious or unclear and how do we 
clear up that mind. And the primary misperception that we are cleaning up is that of who we really are. So we are, we, we, we are not the labels we carry around. We are not the stories we have. We are within ourselves. We are what yoga calls the Purusha. We are that light inside. So what yoga psychology does is helps us clean that up. So one way we do that is that in the first chapter of the Yoga Sutra, there's something called Abhyasa and Vairagyam. Abhyasa means practice, but the root of that word means the most intimate part of you. So something you want to be doing every day, one minute, two minutes, we're not talking about all day, is to be in relationship. What I mean by that is to be in conscious contact with the most intimate part of you, with that light inside. You could just meditate, take a few deep breaths, but you're not taking the breaths to fix yourself. Again, I know I said that already, but it's such an important piece. You're just meditating or quietly leaning into the light inside and taking a breath and reminding yourself that peace begins with you, that everything you need is already inside of you. Calm already exists within you. So remember I said, we're clearing up that misperception it's within you. Mm -hmm. So if you were in a relationship with anybody in your life and you didn't spend time with that person, you wouldn't have a relationship. Mm -hmm. Same is true with this inner part of you. That's ineffable. We really can't describe it. I'm just using words for it. So that's a, so you practice that abhyasa, you practice that. And then vairagam is detachment. We've got to learn and practice detaching from biting every thought, biting the hook, from identifying with every thought and simply leaning back when you feel agitated, if you can remember or anxious. You know, Michael Singer talks about this in The Untethered Soul. He says, when you are disturbed, your first order of action is to get undisturbed. Mm -hmm. So we have to lean back and just observe the thoughts. Don't fix them. Don't judge them. Don't do anything. Just lean back and detach and start to recognize just like you're not whatever it is that you're listening to this podcast on, whether it's your phone, a computer, you're not that thing. You are also not your thought. Mm -hmm. So you have to detach and then you have to practice this new relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something you can do every day. One thing I've started doing, which is similar to this a few months back is every morning, first thing in the morning, I'll get out my journal and I'll write down what does my soul want me to know today? And I just get really quiet and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like, tell me. And usually it's ridiculous things. Like, it's just (laughs) like, take more blank space, go for a walk today. Like look at something in nature. Love is the only real thing that exists. Like all these things. It's like weird, the stuff that it tells me, but I think that is that part of me. That's like the just true, not ego, it's not telling me all the things I need to do that day. Like it, ne- it makes me cry. It never tells me anything I need to do productive. It's just yeah. tells me to slow down. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm going to cry. I'm getting chills. Watch. I know it's the worst. We strive so much in this life and we spend so many hours. I feel wasting, not wasting, but just yeah, wasting away at striving when it's all right here, right now. And we hear that and That's what our soul is always calling us back to is the moment because real suffering is when we're out of the moment. When our mind has gone to some place of like, what if, what if, or what if this happens or worrying about the future that doesn't exist and right here, right now. And yoga tells us that if we understood who we really are, if we really knew it, felt it, not know it like with our head knowledge, felt it, we would not suffer. 
It's that forgetting. And in the busyness, we forget. And most people, sadly, don't have a lifestyle that they've created where they slow down yeah. to practice contentment, to practice just being. And we think it's in the doing that we're going to find it, but it's in the being. It really is. The doing is part of it. But that being present with your soul and just listening, like you said, like take a walk, just be. It just told me now it's like 345 in Dallas and where you are. And normally I don't leave to go get Caroline until like 430 or 445 from work. Like I'll end my work day at four, but then I'll like close everything up, make a to-do list for the next day, you know, clean up the house and write down admin tasks and stuff. And it's telling me, go pick her up after this and just play with her and be with her. I know they're not going to be this little. I did that last night with Jackie, yeah. my Jack, my yeah. son. I was calling him Jackie Poo. <laughs> I was like, go get a book. Let's just read a couple books in bed. And we ended up reading three. And yeah. there's part of me, you know, obviously sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm too busy or I don't want to, or I, I have that thing come up too. And I'm in the anxiety, right? Yeah. Like, oh, and yeah, it's, it's like, this is life. Yeah. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing so I can be with my family so I could be present for them. So I, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. And we can easily forget that. So I love that. And you're listening to that intuition inside. Oh my gosh, this has been a really good conversation. We might have to do another conversation in a few months just because I feel like we have many things to talk about, but I like to try to keep my my episodes semi-short. So all of your info is going to be in the show notes. How can my listeners, if they resonate with you, by the way, you guys, combining the deconditioning work of human design with Joy's take on yoga psychology is amazing. It helps amp up that process for you and helps you to be able to listen, to hear your authority better and all that kind of stuff. So how can my listeners connect with you and work with you? What offers do you have coming up? That would be okay. fitting oh, for my group. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, of course the podcast, which you mentioned, and then yeah. I have a few offers right now. So I have my mastermind, which you mentioned, make the impossible possible mastermind which is so fun. And it's a six month container. And we dive into these teachings, how to apply them, how to live them in your life, your business, your relationships. And then I have, of course, my one-on-one coaching, which is always fun. And my healing course is starting next month. So those dates will be out soon, but my healing course is a six week program that I guide women through on how to really heal and integrate and walk forward and evolve beyond fear and anxiety and doubt mm-hmm. and step into more confidence and peace and freedom. So there's that as well that is beginning in March. I love it. I love also you and I think very similarly with the idea of healing. And you touched on this several times in this conversation, but it's not like anything's wrong with you. Healing is like removing the mm-hmm. things that we've learned that don't serve us right? 100%. It's already there. We're not trying to attain anything or find anything. There's nothing lost. It's just about releasing, removing. And that's why resistance is such a toxic energy for us. You know what I mean? Because resistance is like what keeps us in that stuck place mm-hmm. and just letting letting it go, which is yeah. sounds easier. <laughs> you right. know? It's like, yeah, let it go. All right. That's why you need a guide to walk, walk you through this normally. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for this conversation. It was so wonderful. I knew it was going to go well, but it was even more special than I thought it was going to be. So thank you so much, Joy Stone. I'm so grateful to have you in my world. And I'm so excited for your podcast that was born this year and for it to grow. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me here. It was a wonderful conversation. I love you. Love you too. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. 
I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.